Are you looking to hear the insider stories in government business? That intel that will help you win and help you keep winning. Then you're in the right place. We've got the insider stories, aka the tea. This is Afternoon Tea, and I'm your host, Teresa Holder. Good afternoon. Today we're joined by Malcolm Hardin. Malcolm is a versatile IT executive with nearly 30 years of experience. He has a background in executive leadership, technical vision, profit and loss management, delivery of technology products, and technical thought leadership, which have all prepared him and propelled him toward his current role and dream job, Vice President and GM of Federal Partnerships for Microsoft. So Malcolm, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Um, I have a couple of questions just to start off with um, around roles and, and leadership. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the role that technology leaders like yourself play in creating solutions for your clients? Thanks for having me, uh, Teresa. I'm, I'm really, really happy to be here. Um, and, and thank you for that question. I, I've spent a long time trying to work with various customers and partners just to try to get uh, get them a feel for, for how you implement your vision inside of technology. And I've become convinced over a period of years that, um, one of the chief things that I can do, uh, as a leader, as a manager even is, is help these customers, help these partners, um, understand the art of the possible. Uh, very, very frequently, um, inside government, inside partner organizations, um, they, they, quite uh, reasonably begin with the end in mind, the old Stephen Covey, uh, uh, at this point, Stephen Covey cliche from, you know, decades ago. Um, and that's a good thing to begin with the end in mind. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to uh, recreate the experience for the citizen. We're trying to accomplish XYZ for the warfighter. Uh, we're trying to do ABC for the taxpayer. Those are all great things. Uh, but then, you know, by the time that uh, trickles down to the professional services firm or to the technology company, um, we actually need to articulate something concrete. What are we going to build? What are we going to uh, implement? What's the government going to pay for? Um, and we need to be much more specific. And, you know, myself and, and folks like me um, and folks who work for me over the years have tried to bridge that gap. Right? And so uh, depending on where you are, in the conversation and potentially in the procurement process. Um, you're working with various procurement authorities to try to bridge that gap with them. Right? A, a normal um, uh, acquisition official may or may not have a deep understanding of technology. Uh, and so to have a conversation with folks who have been on my teams to kind of say, hey, what can we do here? What's possible? Uh, is it a product? Is it an approach? Is it a, a, a some kind of a, a bootstrap solution? You know, what goes into um, building that solution that uh, succeeds for the American people? And I really think that somebody in uh, my role uh, has to embrace that responsibility to, to be able to start that process of digging um, and turning that vision into something real. So and that's one of the most fun things I've done in my career. Malcolm, can I ask a question just like thinking about it from the other side of that, right? So if you're a government person and you're sitting in the new CIO seat at a new agency and you want to hear about the technology that's out there, what's the best way for that person to kind of communicate with executives like you um, that, mm -hmm. that are on the forefront of the newest, latest technology that's coming out? 
Well, so I think we embrace those conversations, really. Uh, I, I think in, in my experience, both um, in a product company now and in a professional services environment beforehand, we actually would leap at the chance to have those conversations, those uh, nice, meaty, thorough discussions with federal executives. Uh, I, I think there is a perception potentially on both sides of everyone being uh, 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 very cautious about not doing anything that raises a procurement challenge uh, in any way, whether it is the appearance of impropriety on the government side or something where downstream the government feels like, okay, well, now that I've had these lengthy conversations with this individual or this company, I can't let them bid because they've, you know, they've been too close to shaping it. I think everyone is wary of trying to stay out of that conundrum. And so the conversations aren't had as, as much as they should be. And some of our, our procurement luminaries in government have, have paid close attention to this and, and talk about it frequently as, as something they try to overcome. From my side, um, my uh, best approach has just been to welcome those conversations, right? We will, we will have any dialogue you want to have, Mr. and Mrs. Government. And, you know, we are, we are willing to, to be a partner um, in that discussion and, and making that vision a reality. And we have uh, faith that government procurement officials can de- determine how to do the right thing. So opening up the conversation a little bit more, like bringing, bringing you guys in a little bit earlier to kind of show them what's out there, to show them the options of mm-hmm. the future of technology. Got it. <clears throat> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we, we need not wait for a, uh, a COVID or a hurricane or, or something like that, which creates the, the, the fierce urgency of now, right? We can um, understand based on an agency mission. Hey, let's, let's cultivate a conversation, right? And, and, and hopefully um, no emergency response is ever necessary, but, you know, you can start to understand based on where technology is uh, at the moment, what can be done if, if you had that emergency, if you absolutely had to rapidly respond, you know, what's technology look like and, and how can technology help? Got it. Thank you. And then, um, next conversation that I, I would be a little bit interested in is, um, past experience and deals and programs that you've been involved in that were able to be shaped from a t- technology perspective, bringing in a new technology and helping a client create a better solution for their constituents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, when I was on the professional services side, uh, more so than the product side, um, as, as a prime bidder, you would, you would frequently get, uh, uh, called in, um, either to some form of early discussion as a, a likely bidder or, uh, even a formal discussion, um, late in the process as part of orals. Uh, and, you know, as a you know, part of a professional services company, I was part of the, uh, part of the mix. Um, on the, uh, the GSA's large procurement of Beagle. Um, and Beagle is, is a, a DHS opportunity, uh, concerned with, uh, uh, border, uh, border operations, border management. Uh, and they really took, uh, the DHS along with GSA, um, I thought really took a, uh, a very thorough, uh, if cautious, um, approach to communicating back and forth with industry. And I really sort of, you know, respected as part of that process, um, how diligent GSA FedSim was in responding to questions and crafting 
uh, communication and exchange of ideas between the government and the contractors. Um, and even during the orals process, um, it, it was a Q&A, but it was a, uh, a structured Q&A where government asked the question. You thought about the question over a period of minutes. You came back, you you gave an answer. The government thought about your answer and then they came back and they asked more questions. Yeah. It was really meant to be a dialogue as part of orals. It wasn't meant to be a whole bunch of slides that just regurgitate your proposal. And, you know, I was actually excited about that. I'm, I'm a little bit of a freak show. I, I like orals, right? It is, it's, you know, intimidating to a bunch of people. Look um, at you, technology I, anomaly. <laughs> exactly. I'm a people person. I actually like having conversations, uh, you know, with government partners about what they want to do. Um, and that's, that's probably my, my favorite orals, um, I was ever part of. Now, high stakes, right? There was, a, there was a lot of, uh, it was a very important mission as as well as uh, a significant contracting action involved. So very, very high stakes. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So, Malcolm, what, can I ask you a question related to that? So one of the things that I've found, like the challenge with going from a conversation and a PowerPoint presentation and an orals with response to a customer to the written proposal like that mm-hmm. translation, what recommendations would you give for how do you successfully transition that orals presentation to the RFP response, the proposal that's sent in? How do you make yeah. sure that you've got that to a T? So, so that is a great, um, th- that is a great question. I, I think there are, uh, government procurement organizations out there where industry looks at the character of that procurement shop. And says, you know, we have to do the, the least risky thing possible. And the least risky thing possible is listen to what they say and tell it back to them. Um, you know, put our, our oral slides down. And if one person in the room smiled during orals, then we make sure that our proposal says that thing 5,800 times. You know, it, it is, it, it lacks creativity. It, it really, um, uh, it, it lacks, I guess, what in a movie you'd call exposition to government, that that background on why you are suggesting what you are suggesting, um, all in an effort to limit risk and to not get thrown out on something or to not uh, make any government reader uncomfortable with the content on the page. But I, I think there are government procurement organizations out there that, that aren't necessarily built like that. They They truly want to know what your ideas are. They truly want to know the way you think this program should be done. And you've got to understand whether you are bidding into an organization that truly wants your ideas. And if they want your ideas, give it to them, right? For goodness sake, if they want your ideas, give it to them. I I, I get that it is um, saying nothing is probably the least risky role, but if you want to win with some of these organizations, I mentioned FedSim before and, and, I know and respect a lot of folks over there. If, if you want to win an organization like that, frequently, frequently you have to lean forward. You have to actually go out on a limb and gasp, tell them what you think. Right. How, how about that? Yeah. Those bringing your best and most creative ideas mi- brings you to the most impactful solutions. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, just, yeah, you said that so well. So <laughs> on the other side of that, um, any major lessons learned Monday morning quarterbacking, like where you're like, Oh, you know what? No, I did that. And we didn't see it the way that I wanted it to. I should have done X. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
it, it is almost a a cliche at this point, but um, deal shaping is so important. And I don't know that, um, you know, deal shaping is part of the capture process, formal capture process. I, I'm not sure in with my professional services hat on of, of jobs gone by. I don't know that we did a good enough job at um, at sort of after action reports around the capture. You know, I think frequently we will talk about what went wrong with the proposal, but rarely will we talk about what went wrong with the capture. Right? And I know there are um, larger size that are good at that. Um, I've worked with some people in past roles that have, you know, are now part of large SI organizations that I've, I've heard they, they tell me they do that, um, very, very well. And I think that is missing from a lot of organizations. If we had to do it over, we would have met with the stakeholders in this sequence. We would have asked the, you know, this person, this question in this meeting, as opposed to holding it till the end, because we didn't want to look like we didn't know. But those kinds of after actions and and learning from those motions and doing them better next time, I I think it only makes sense as a government contractor that you want to be wiser in how you spend your future uh, capture budget. You can only do that by learning from your mistakes. And so if I I had to do it over, I would make sure we were doing that. I wonder if that's from the level of a proposal is a written document. And so throwing darts at the words is so mm-hmm. much easier than throwing darts at the people that were supposed to do those jobs. <laughs> right. <Exactly. laughs> that's my perception. That's my take. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, we, we used, uh, you know, we used happy instead of glad and it, it made some people angry. Well, no, it didn't. It was a, a bunch of things you did a bunch earlier that could have <laughs> You didn't it. know if they wanted to be happy or glad because you never asked them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Malcolm, actually you've, you've taken on a little bit of a different role lately. Um, mm-hmm. and as you've transitioned from that CTO type of role to focusing on strengthening partnerships and partner networks, um, mm-hmm. what have you learned? Cause you've been in that space for about a year now. And so now you're an expert, right? <laughs> exactly. There we go. Uh, I, I get up, uh, uh, you know, thinking, eating, sleeping, like how, how can I make my, my partners um, give my partners a more positive experience. And, and I think one of the things I've learned classically, when we think about uh, working in the federal IT ecosystem, we, we think so much about relationships and those relationships are a proxy for how to make people happy. Um, and at a high level, you think about, well, if we can make agency X happy at a high level, then we've succeeded. And in a, a partnership, model, you might think, well, if we can make this this partner integrator happy at a high level, we've succeeded. I think one of the things that I've learned that I wasn't quite as prepared for was how tactical um, some of these uh, happiness factors can get measured at. Right? If you are uh, partnering with my current organization and it's your goal to, to get a bit out the door and get over the goal line, so much of everyone will, so much of what everyone will remember uh, about working with my company has to do with the tactical stuff, the nuts and bolts about getting the thing over the goal line. And oh, this one was easy or this one was hard or, you know, we tried to call you at this time and person X didn't answer. All of the little minor uh, things that, that go into making that pursuit successful in, in a joint way 
couple of those things are off and all of a sudden the partner's not happy. And even if I have a great relationship with person X on the partner side and my, my boss, my company president has a great relationship with company president X on the other side, it's still a fail, right? If we didn't, if we didn't do all the little tactical stuff in execution. And so, you know, as I start my second year, a lot of what I need to do uh, is make sure that my people are empowered to do the tactical stuff more smoothly. Right. That That's going to be a lot of what we look at um, here in this next year. Join us next week to hear more with Malcolm. Thank you for joining us for Afternoon Tea, a federal health IT production. If you have questions, input, or suggestions for upcoming shows, email us at afternoontea at g2exchange.com. I'm your host, Teresa Holder. Teresa Holder.